Welcome back to Seaweed Braid, Percy Jackson podcast. Today we're talking about Jason, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. Olin and Jackson are back. Let's just do it. Let's get this over with. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Hello, Carter. Hi. Hi, Ola. Hi, Jackson. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Another long week in DC. Want to give us just like a quick update on how you're doing? Jackson gaslit me today and convinced me it wasn't raining outside and then made us walk a mile to go get our dinner through the rain. <laughs> no, I was just I was just ignorant and I didn't want to believe that it was raining. We like hadn't been outside today because you know the fascism and I'm lazy. But then I said, let's walk, and then I made a whole fuss about not getting our food delivered. And then it was raining pretty hard out and we still walked. I found out my raincoat isn't waterproof. But it looks great. It looks great. Sexy as hell. We may need to start a Patreon just in order to like release episodes about how Jackson and Ola's uh, relationship is doing. (laughs) We talked about this today. Like, I think that if we both weren't gay, it would really stress our partners out because (laughs) I talk about Jackson like so lovingly in like my therapy sessions about like how he's the best thing for my mental health. And this is like the most open, honest and communicative relationship I've had. So it's just, we really rely on each other it's for really a lot. Yeah. Then tell them, tell them what Liv said today. Oh, if Jackson wasn't a man, she'd be a little bit stressed <laughs> <laughs> about the way I talk about him. That's cute. Aww. And uh, Hephaestus, obviously. The two men in Ola's oh, life. Yeah. yeah, that actually did cause some tension in my relationship. So I'd like to retract my previous statement. <laughs> my girlfriend is very beautiful and very smart and funny. And I'm not attracted to a mythical being from a children's book yeah so neither am i totally Beautiful. the viria cartoon drawing of percy jackson i'm not at all i let hephaestus be a third in my relationship like if i had to open up into polyamory and like <laughs> ruffle i would definitely wish it would be hephaestus if it had to be any non-real metaphysical being so you're not retracting so we're not retracting our statement now we're now we're now doubling back down on it Can somebody just cancel me already? Can you just cancel (laughs) me? Just imagine for a moment if Hephaestus was also a ginger. Just think about it for a moment for Ola. Just and black. (laughs) When the hair is on fire, he's basically a ginger. Anyway, you don't think you don't think it would be like Hades from Hercules' uh, blue firehead? No, nah. Right, because Hephaestus. Think of argument. Well, no, no. If you look at. Blue fire means gay. <laughs> so that's like Hades and Azula towards the end. She's definitely gay. Sorry. Ignore everything that's coming out of my mouth right now. No, Azula had a complicated relationship with both May we'll and Tai, and we understand that. Yep. <sighs> <sighs> Save that for the Atla podcast that or the YouTube channel that I will create when I'm unemployed in um, four months. <laughs> Great. All right. Let's, you know what we're doing? You know what this is? This is stalling. This is stalling because we don't want to have this conversation and yet we're going to have it. So today we're wrapping up the Lost Hero conversation with 
some talk about Jason Grace and our overall feelings about this book as if we haven't made it clear enough yet. So I think we're going to go, we're going to do what we did last time, which I really personally enjoyed and go around in the circle and say our three words that come to mind about Jason. And I'm going to start with Ola. Boring white man. (laughs) Period. Clean and simple. Jackson. This is really interesting because we did this at the same time. And as soon as she said that, I was like, that's so funny because my three words are vanilla white boy. <laughs> yep. I, I'm going to go with, I, I toggled back and forth between plain and vanilla because I feel like vanilla even offers something a little bit more than plain. Like, you know, when vanilla is like vanilla bean and it has like those little black specks in it and it's like kind of, it's extra sweet and like a little tart. That wasn't it for me. Yeah. So I'm going to go with <laughs> plain militant villain <laughs> with villain being hyphenated and therefore counting as one word. Okay. Carter? Most stereotypical protagonist? Oh, ooh. That's three. Uh, multisyllabic, though. Good for <laughs> you. Do you go to Harvard? Okay. All right. I think that kind of sums up, obviously. There's not a single person on the planet who's not on the same page. Jason was not what we needed in this book. <laughs> I don't disagree with the idea to take Percy out. I think it was, like, really edgy and bold. But I, I would have been able to stomach it a lot better if Jason was, like, actually comparable to Percy. Interesting in any way, shape, or form. I was thinking a lot about like, what if Frank or parts of Frank were put into Jason's character or something? Because a lot in Son of Neptune, Frank is sort of talked about as being the equal to Percy in the seven. And like, that's not, but then why didn't they just put Frank at Camp Half-Blood? Well, it's like they had the option to switch Reyna. Like if they had taken the other pride and it's like you chose the vanilla white boy when you have a Latinx woman (laughs) of a purely Roman goddess, like who has no Greek. Maybe it's the part that like she has no Greek counterpart. So like she couldn't have fit in with the Greeks. But even at the same time, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like the gods are just too predictable here. And it's like, oh, you like him because his name is Jason and the other guy's name is Percy. It's like, I wonder where those names came from. Like, <laughs> I like that voice. It's like, maybe it's because like, I'm reading this from like the cynical viewpoint of a 20 something. I think we're all on the same page about this, that like Jason, it seems very purposeful. Like I, I'm not going to like, I want to be clear that this is not a defense of Jason as a character or a defense of like Rick's choice to put him in here. But there is something... To be said, I think for Rick basically saying like, like this is going to be like the paragon of like whiteness. Like they, like Jason truly leaves no stone in front in terms of being exactly. like, this is the white man. He has blonde hair. He has blue eyes. He's like tall. He also like doesn't really have a personality. Exactly. So like you can just project anything onto him. Um, I think that there's an argument you can make that like, perhaps what is done with Jason's character later keeps it interesting and gives you maybe a little twist take, a little bit of thoughtfulness about like what it means to be like this most generic everywhere, like white man who kind of runs the show. But like, at least for this book through the end of the book, what we really get with this is just like, it feels like if, if we were to be cynical, it feels like the most safe choice. Like, mm. like I don't want to speak for him, but it really feels like someone was saying, you know, like diversity is cool, but like, you know, like, you like, know who has to be at the Jason center. It has to be, be like, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. That like the people of color in the book still need to, like, even though they're like part of the seven, they still need to ultimately surround to like white the men. whitest white man. Yes. But that's what's interesting to me because we all said like white, he's so white. Theoretically, you know, Percy is also, you know, 
canonically quote unquote white. And like, we've talked about how we don't necessarily agree with that. We don't need it to be that. We all projected our own feelings on Percy as far as like what he looked like and what his background was and Sally as well. But at the same time, like it, I think it goes to show that like the whiteness is just so a part of Jason's lack of personality. And like you said, Carter, that mm-hmm. he is the white one, like period. Like that's just like, it doesn't even matter that Percy is not technically a person of color. Like Jason just embodies whiteness. And like, it's almost like he had to be there to reflect all of the other people of color. Like we couldn't just have a story where there were seven people of color. Like it had, like you said, it had to revolve around a white man at the end of the day, which I guess granted is very Roman in the way that we world built Camp Jupiter and stuff like that. But I, I don't like it. Like, it doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about that and how they, like, kind of juxtapose, like, the Romans as being, like, very much the embodiment of, like, white Western ideals. And I find that very frustrating because it's just, like, absolutely unnecessary. Like, I don't know what Rick Riordan has with the Romans or if he was trying to, like, say something about the conquering of Greek by the Romans and want to, like, really dig deep into colonialism. Yeah. But he doesn't do a good job of it. So, like, him centering it around Jason just mm-hmm. seems like him just kind of doing a cop-out and being like, I couldn't possibly be radical and make these all POC-like characters. But I think that if he had um, kind of touched more into the colonial nature and imperialism of the Roman Empire to the Greeks, I think it would have done a lot more service to Jason as a character by, like, kind of, up, like, upholding the idea that he is this white mm-hmm. colonialist ideal. It is just crazy because yeah. as you compare the two, the Greeks is like, this is a summer camp. Like, that's its cover, is that you can spend the year here if you want to, but this is just one stop before... Like, it's it's a training place. It's a, it's a halfway point wherever you want to go before you get back into the world. And like, it seems like with Camp Jupiter, even though we haven't been there yet, that it's like, no, you give your life to Rome and you come here and you never leave. And we drain the life out of you so that Rome can last longer. And the way that I've been thinking about it is that like, it seems like the Greeks would throw a much better party that lasts for like an hour. Mm -hmm. And it's gonna be like the most fun party you've ever been to. And then like the Romans are like, we are having a month long celebration and you must attend for the entire month and you will have fun. Yeah. To use an example that I'll have to cut and only Carter will understand, both like the Greeks and the Romans were like colonizers and like they sucked, both of them for different reasons. But at the same time, it's more like Camp Half-Blood is like Punahou and Camp Jupiter is like Iolani. Yes. Can we leave it in? Please. Like the four people from our high school who listened to this will understand, but... No, it's absolutely true. Like, that is exactly how I felt about it the first time I read it. Yeah. Like, so strongly. Punahou is our high school, and Iolani was, like, a rival high school. They were both participated (laughs) in, like, a missionary colonial um, tradition, and they were started by missionaries, but Iolani is, like, the far more, like... I'm gonna get in trouble if I keep this on the internet, but like rigid, militant. they're the rigid one. That like that's the stereotype around. It's very. Yeah. I feel like all of this to say, it feels like a very familiar like trope of like there are these two places. Um, they're both problematic. One of them is more fun and like um has less rules, <laughs> and yeah. one of them is more is far more rigid and like maybe quote unquote successful and like has things you like about it, but it's not as fun and it, they both have their own problems. Yeah. And it seems like Jason is a way to like introduce that idea that like, like if you're going to like have the first Roman demigod that we meet, it has to be someone who is like unquestionably Roman. just so far in that direction that you would never mistake him for some, like he needs to be like the blonde version of Percy and that like he needs to like, <laughs> you know, like 
be blonde. We, we all know what I mean, right? Like, let's be real here. An- Annabeth is the blonde version of Percy. That is, that's the blonde version of Percy I believe in. Like, right. that's... But I'm just trying to, like, get into Rick's head here. Jason could definitely have been written with a real personality and be a person of color. I think that that would be a great direction for the book. I just also want to point out, like, the fact that he's white is not, like... We're, like, we're not all complaining just because he is literally, like, a white person. Like, the issue... <laughs> Like, if you were a white person who was, like, you know, developed in a way where we understood more of, like, why he was the person he was, that would, of course, be better. Or if you were a supporting character and we did not feel, like, for some random reason that is never explained through his powers, through his character, through his leadership acumen, through nothing. Like, everyone just assumes that he's the leader. And yes. no one has a reason for why. Wait, why that's is incredible. I love that point because, like, I was thinking the way that everyone's been speaking, if we replaced white with milk toast, it would have the same exact, mm-hmm. like, the same exact sentiment, but it wouldn't be race-based. But he literally is just, like, a sheet of paper character. Like, he could be molded into so much better, but the fact that he's posited as this main character that drives the narrative and brings everyone together, it's just bullshit. Because we don't know enough yes. about him. We don't get to care about him. He's not fleshed out. He literally is a white placeholder. Like, could be, insert any other person here. Yes. And, like, also, mm-hmm. I understand that, like, his entire memory has been stripped, so, like, we don't get a perspective of his. And also, like, our first introduction to him is Rick in the third person instead of the first person. But at the same time, like, mm-hmm. Talia is... we get, Like, in two sentences about a yeah. different child of Zeus, we get so much personality. Literally. And, like, she mm-hmm. is also white. She is white, but, like, with... I don't know, she's, like, with spiky hair. And, like, white you can tell she's interest. edgy. Yeah, like, she's into Dead Cat for Cutie. We know this about her. Like, you can tell, like, you can tell me three things about Talia Grace... And it's like none of them are white. None of them are white. But it's like our very first thing about Jason Grace is like, oh, this boy's white. Like he's a white man. Yeah, Blonde like Jackson's a white man. That's like the beginning of the description. Yeah, there's so many more things I could say about that, but I'll use this as a segue to talk about like one of the more interesting parts of Jason's arc in this book is when he meets yes. Talia, because of course they are siblings. Even though I tried to do the math, and Talia is far older technically than Jason, despite the tree and the immortal thing. But of course the Mm-hmm. <laughs> well there's two things i want to say about that one of them is that i think genuinely the vibe i get is that talia does not care like i know that she cares and i know that she's all like oh my god mom abandoned you when you were a baby but like he was a baby and she doesn't really know him and i think that she can kind of see upon seeing him she's like ah eh, i mean this guy we're not gonna be friends and so she just kind of like we're not gonna be friends he's fine <laughs> he's fine like nice meeting I you genuinely, and then she goes off to you know support the quest and support him in that way but like (laughs) i just love that she's also not into him like same but this is the interesting i think we mentioned this earlier but like jason is specifically described as like looking different than talia not only is he blonde Mm -hmm. but because the gods they have different quote-unquote versions of themselves when they are greek and roman um which up until now i feel like we just assumed meant like personality traits based on the civilizations Mm -hmm. but then at this moment they're kind of trying to make it seem rick is trying to make it seem like they racially present slightly different. Yes. And there are so many weird things about this different racial presentation. Does Rick think that people who live in Italy are all blonde-haired and blue-eyed? Because, look, like, okay, we grew up in white, like, I barely can tell, like, different white people apart, but I know that that's, like, that's, like, not true, right? Like, most Italian people are not blonde-haired and blue-eyed. No. (laughs) And certainly are not, like, more likely than Greek people to look that way, right? Like, that just... Wait, that's, that's really funny you said that because, like, 
there was this girl that went to a neighboring high school that I've hated my entire life because she once said, stop calling me white. Like, I'm really offended. I'm not white. I'm Italian. And it just plagued my life growing up because I'm from a predominantly white area. And I'm like, since when is it a bad thing to be white? Like, you have so much power and privilege in my tiny ass town. Why do you want to not be white? Why do you think that being Italian makes you not white when you have straight brown hair, freckles and green eyes? Like that is you are white and that's okay. Your name's Melissa. Your name's literally Melissa. Oh my god, I shouldn't say her government name on this. <laughs> Even if you want to talk to her, you're not talking to her. All that being said, like the broader point beyond like maybe Italians don't necessarily look this way is like, what does this mean about the other demigods? Because we've been having this conversation with Piper and Leo, and like about truly all of them, like are all demigods mixed race? Are all demigods is the godly parent white? And this really colors that question because it sounds like the suggestion here is the answer is like, yes. Like Zeus is somehow affecting the way his kids look and making them all look like a specific kind of white, oh, basically. God. I, I don't feel like it's like a narrow saying like, okay, that means that like all the gods are like making their kids look kind of white. And like, I, I think it is more complicated than that. I think we talked about this in the casting episode, which probably will come out after this, right? After this, yeah. We're going to talk about this more then. But Zeus, like, if any of the gods are going to, like, only present as white and, like, have white kids, it's going to be Zeus, right? So, like, I I don't know if there are any hard takeaways from this. He, like, makes, like, a point of talking about this. Well, I think it's really interesting that, like, we're also saying all this shit about Jason when, like, within the first chapter or, like, two chapters of us meeting him, he does something that is supposed to be incredible. Like, he flies. And that's supposed (laughs) to be, like, this ultimate power thing. And we're like, thank you, next. Like, who gives a shit? Like, literally, like when we talk about Percy's powers, it's like these unbelievable things of like the sea cannot be tamed. And like, look at him create a hurricane. Look at him create a tidal wave. Look at him control the water. (laughs) Jason Grace saves this girl and is like, look, he's flying. And we're like, okay, cool. And And, like, who are you? Where's Percy? Who are you? Where's Percy? What have you done with my boy? What have you done? Where's my son? Um, Right. And then like Annabeth, also (laughs) Annabeth picks him up and she's like, who are you? It's like we meet Jason and at the very end, like he gets picked up by Annabeth and Butch. And I'm still like, I want a whole 10 book series on Butch. I want a book on Butch. I want a book on the kid who's the son of Hypnos. I want a book on Mm -hmm. like all these other people. And it's like, I don't need five books about Jason. Yeah, And it feels like half-assed, which is also like unfortunate because like, I feel like Frank and Hazel and then even Reyna in the later books like mm-hmm. un- they have these amazing backstories they've been through so much and they have so much ahead of them and then Jason is just like oh Jason like your dad's so cool but he left and then your mom gave you up and like Hera's a bitch and like sorry I guess but like yeah. I don't care and yeah. like we already know a child of Zeus that's mm-hmm. Talia and she has her own whole thing and she's renounced that it's just he exists and he doesn't need to exist. And yeah. it's like, uh, really, this is what you're going to do type thing. He gives us nothing. Yeah. Like, simply put, he gives us nothing. Whereas Frank, we see representation like we don't often see, like, larger Asian males in something. We don't often see Black women that get to be witches in a way that's not violent. And, like, how having access to precious metals is great when you think about the juxtaposition of like black women and like money. We have Leo who can build things and is like this fiery Latinx person. Like, yes, Piper is problematic in the way that there's a big striper, <laughs> so she will not get a breakdown. But then like 
Rick was so bold in some of those choices and makes really good statements and makes has very good representation. And then he gives us Jason and it's mm-hmm. like, baby, we don't need him. He provides nothing and only hinders. Like we've had such yeah. positive things to say about all the other characters. And this is the one place where it's like, we have nothing positive to say because he gives nothing. Yeah. Like we're not wowed by his powers. Yeah. We're not wowed by his lineage. We're not wowed by his dialogue. He literally is just so bland. Yeah. And he takes away from the series. Yeah. Like I would have rather had three books in this series that fleshed out the other characters more and just eradicated all that Jason contributed. Yeah. Going back to what we were talking about with Jason being like, why is he just the leader? Because he's blonde and everyone is like, okay, then you're obviously the leader of the mm-hmm. quest. And yeah. Like what you said, Ola, about all of the other characters and their powers are so much more interesting. And something else that I want to mention with the the compulsory heterosexuality that we kind of witness with Piper and Jason is just that like because yes. he's there and he embodies all this whiteness and we assume he's the leader, like I think this book would have been so much more interesting if even though I have issues with Frank, if Frank had been the person leading the quest, because I think that's a huge point of what makes Son of Neptune so much better is that it's Frank doubting his ability to be the leader. And I don't understand why I'm in charge. Like it should obviously be Percy, but him kind of dealing with that. And like, that is such an interesting arc that adds so much to the character. I don't know why we had to wait a whole book for it. Or like Piper could be in charge. I think there are just so many other alternatives. There are moments that are written in here where Jason like obviously has doubts because, you know, like they're not going to make him have literally no doubts, but like his solution to all that is basically just being like, you know what? I can fake it till I make it. And I'm sorry, it's 2021. No one needs, even at the time, no one needed to read a book about like (laughs) this white boy saying like, you know what? These people are right. I totally should be in charge and I'll figure (laughs) out why some point down the road. You know, like that. Yeah, we just didn't need that. And I'm literally so confused about people on the internet who like genuinely still ship Jason and Piper as Jasper, like, my sister came up to me and she was like, I remember really strongly shipping them. And I said, why? Like, what do you remember about their relationship? And she said, nothing. (laughs) There's another annoying thing that comes later in Trials of Apollo, if I can spoil one quick thing. I do know that she is bisexual or a lesbian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, Piper. She and Jason break up. (laughs) And then when, like, Apollo at the very end is, like, saying goodbye to people, he, like, Inter- he like appears on her roof and like she's made making out with a girl and I was like, are you kidding me? And they saved it until the end? Right. Until and the, the end? Like, and it's like, there are times when Jason and Piper are just like cuddling on the Argo too and they're like, I'll love you forever. It's like, no, I'll love you forever. And it's like, could you guys like say it like you mean it, please? It doesn't but everyone, I think that's really good. I wish it would have come out earlier because that would have been great to explore yeah. more female queerness because we don't see it. But honestly, that's 100% my experience. Yeah. I dated my ex-boyfriend for four years and I thought he was going to marry him. And I'm like 150% a lesbian. So I think it's really pivotal that like they break up and she's immediately making out with a girl and it's probably awesome for her. Mm-hmm. And I wish that could have been explored and unpacked in the context of everything else especially with Aphrodite if we talked about queer love in the context of Aphrodite yes Yes. perfect and I hate you know I hate to and by I hate to I mean I don't hate I don't mind at all bringing up Legend (laughs) of Korra here but like people (laughs) saying that people saying that like season one and season two didn't matter and like the the gayness was like made up on Legend of Korra and they didn't intend for her to be gay in the first place because she was like dating men at first is so wrong and so not yeah. true because if you you watch the show you see the signs <laughs> immediately like it, it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense like you see that arc happen I do think that Piper was intended to be straight at first but I still do like yeah 
it's still fine. It makes sense. I would love to read the book, like, of her being, like, you know, having her Mitski Best American Girl journey of being like, <laughs> wait, was I actually into Jason? Or was Jason, like, a blank Just canvas there. of, like, the Who white I blonde man for me to project my romance onto? Yeah, exactly. And I was wait, told yes, by yes, society. Yes, yes, because, yes, she literally thinks she has it all. She's pretty, people like her, and she has the perfect guy that everyone lusts after. Yes. Of course she's into him because that's to- she's told that's what she's supposed to be into. And, like, I love that she's especially, like, a femme lesbian character or, like, mm-hmm. femme queer woman yes. character because we don't really see that in young adult, like, literature that often. They're often, like, stereotyped, like, more mask. So the fact that, like, you have, like, the pretty popular girl and the, like, hot popular guy, like, of course she thinks that's what she wants. Yes. And, of course, she thinks she loves him of because, like, why wouldn't she literally why wouldn't she is what rick is presenting and that's why jason sucks so bad because he reinforces all these ideas yes. that he's the ideal he's the leader here's he's what everyone should be it's bullshit one thing that's really hard for me is that like all of this intense tragedy and backstory is always like it feels like it's kind of forced into the characters of color mm-hmm. and it's like oh you can't make the white character anything and it's like, no, we have to have a Chinese-Canadian military <laughs> family person in Frank. Oh, and we need to have um, a blue-collar Latinx boy in uh, mm-hmm. Leo. And we need to have a Native American uh, girl. Not like the other girls. Yeah. Not like the other girls. And it's like, could you for one second put some shit into the white people. Well, it, we get that in Percy and Yeah, Annabeth, I feel like Percy and Annabeth, that's the thing, like, they do like, have, Percy like, and Annabeth backstories. have tragic backstories. Yeah, they're, like, maybe not as... And we get that with Clarice. Yeah, yes. I think the problem, like, along the, the lines of what you're saying, though, like, there's definitely, like, a, <laughs> the problem with Jason is not just that he doesn't have a personality, it's that, like, Rick literally writes him as not having a backstory. <sighs> you know, there's a choice to make him, like, someone who was, like, abandoned by his mother in love with the romance, which I think, on its own, is, like, reads to me as a little bit weird because like all the characters of color are like drawing on their parents for like alternate cultural perspectives. Whereas Jason, of course, is just like sprung, like he's written as like having sprung fully formed as like the baseline default. Irritating. Mm -hmm. But also like, (laughs) it's like he would have still had memories. Like that means that he grew up with the Legion and clearly like he should, that should mean more for us. Like he should be telling us all the time what like Lupa told him when he was like an eight year old foraging in the wilderness, but he never does. Guys, and it doesn't make sense. I don't want to go there, but Lupa makes no sense. Yeah. Do you want to mention Jason's POV on yeah. Piper Carter? There were like, there were like a few quick Jason things that we should run through before we move on. Um, Jason delivers this, like, very, like, One Direction circa 2009 line about how, like, Piper is most beautiful when she's, like, not wearing makeup. Why? <laughs> I don't think there's that much for us to say about this. Who is that for? Does it? Does he want a medal? Like, I... You know, I think it's in 2021, and we probably don't need to tell anyone that for men, it, it is not the grand feminist statement you think it is to say, like, I think that you're prettier when you look like this instead of like this. Yeah, men do supposedly yeah. listen to our podcast based on the statistics that Spotify has given me. Carter, you have such a point in that. It's almost upsetting to me when I found out that like the blessing of Aphrodite is like, I'll make you hot, not like I'll make you confident enough to love yourself. If Aphrodite's blessing, like as the goddess of love, was that like her children learn to love themselves, like that would be great. I don't know. I just think it's ridiculous of like, yeah, she's not wearing makeup. She's so pretty. And it's like, okay. Well. Like, I'm sure she is. It's great. I don't know. I, I think this was, like, the kind of thing that was, like, vaguely in vogue at the time to just 
assume that like no one wanted to wear makeup. It's the mid 2010s. Like he's yeah. writing this when everyone's whole thing was like, I wear skinny jeans and vans and I listen to um what's it called? Owl City. Like <laughs> I wear my Toms and my ankle bracelet. Like I don't straighten my hair. My hair's frizzy and I wear glasses. Like I'm just like authentic and that's cool. And Rick Riordan was like, mm, the adolescents are gonna eat this up. <laughs> and we nice. did. We did eat this up. I, I think, I think that's, that's correct. Well, before we go on and, and just do a couple general notes about the book, I think I could, I would like to wrap up this conversation about Jason with a quote. So small spoiler, but this is from Annabeth's POV and Rick writes, Annabeth tried to hide it, but she still didn't completely trust the guy. She couldn't look at him without getting a bitter taste in her mouth. He's been a part of Hera's forced exchange program and none of that was Jason's fault. But every time Annabeth saw him, she remembered how much she missed Percy which is 550 pages of The Lost Hero. How yes. do you guys remember quotes from the books this well? You guys are really good at this. Wrote it down. <laughs> also, I have multicolored post-it notes now, which I'm going to use for the different POVs I decided. Very excited. Percy's obviously blue. Aww. Uh, That's smart. Okay, I, I want to caveat everything that we've said today with the fact that, like, yes, in this book in particular, like, this is, like, the worst book in The Five, and this is particularly, like, the reason why it's the worst thing in the five is mostly because, like, Jason in this book is terrible. Like, deeply, deeply terrible for all the reasons that we've discussed. I, I still haven't decided for myself how I feel about his arc through the rest of the books. And I want to put that down here because I think that there are some changes that, like, are, are interesting. I don't know if they're enough to redeem Jason, but I think that, I think he gets better. Yeah, so for sure. Put that out there. <laughs> I think that's a good segue into, like, the next part of the episode where we just want to, like, broadly offer some some thoughts about the lost hero and some critiques from, like, a higher level about things like this. So, like, well, like one of the things that we have written down, to your point, is, like, the humor difference between lost hero and, like, the first five books, but also, like, to a lesser extent, but still a significant one, the later four books in, like, Heroes of Olympus in terms of the humor, because, like, it's just not as funny. There are so many moments in this, partly because, like, Jason is not written to have a sense of humor, basically, at all. Piper is not really written. Like, she, she doesn't tell jokes, which is fine. Like, most of the humor, I feel like, in the earlier books is not overtly joke-based. It is not, like, setup and punchline. There's a lot of stuff for us that is supposed to be about, like, situations that are interesting, character-based humor. You know, like, there are lots of different ways to create laughs without jokes. And Rick seems to have forgotten about all of them in this book. I don't know how other people feel about that, but that was certainly how I came away from this book. It's just like, it felt so like dry by comparison. I agree. I just don't think that the humor is there because the POV of the characters isn't particularly like, they just yes. don't quite have the sense of humor yes. that Percy's voice does. Um, because it, at the end of the day, it's Percy's sense of humor that makes it funny. And they don't have that POV on anything. My big c complaint about like why I think like the linchpin of why I don't think this book works is because just from a outlining standpoint, dropping us into like a fake friendship with these three characters and then never actually go. And like, we realize that the memories are fake, but we never actually go back and have them get to know one another mm -hmm. from the jump. Like Percy yes. does with Hazel and Frank, just like yes. it's, it's rough. Like, I don't feel like we, even if these characters had better personalities and were more developed, we don't get to know them. Like we don't get the time yeah. to like, see them interact as though they're meeting each other for the first time which is mm -hmm. a reason why like having that you know fish out of water narrative is something that mm -hmm. is in almost every piece of media and yeah something about like 
none of these characters are out of wa- out of the water is like we don't as a reader get to like experience anything for the first time and so it kind of just feels like we're being thrown into something um yes as opposed to at least percy is like experiencing all of new rome and like i don't know i guess jason is technically experiencing camp but because he doesn't have a personality like we don't really experience yeah. it so yeah that's my big complaint yeah i feel like they just don't mesh and there's never any work to do to make them mesh yeah yes. like, there's so much more that could be said about like love triangle with like Leo being like, oh, Piper's so beautiful, but because we never really flesh out Piper and like her character very well in the first book, it's kind of like, oh, Leo like pretty girl. Leo likes that popular hot guy has pretty girl. And we could have just seen a much better dynamic yeah. of them having like a pseudo awkward love triangle where Leo gets left out and we could see like Jason taking a leadership role mm-hmm. and being like, we're all friends, like insert memories here, like, or look at this example on the quest, like Mm -hmm. Leo, you're so valid, you're so valuable, like, it doesn't matter that Piper and I are in love. And we don't get that Rick, like really just like leaves that to the wind. And that's why I feel like Jason's just so bland, because there's so many opportunities to see him bond with Piper and Leo, and we don't get anything that isn't very topical and surface level. Yes, right. But also like, Percy saves Camp Jupiter in the Son of Neptune. There is a fight and he saves the camp and all the Romans love him. Everything that Jason does happens outside of the camp. And like, we never get to see him try and do anything at camp. There is no, forgive me, uh, I think I'm right here, but there is no like existential threat to camp other than Jason. Like the fact that he's there (laughs) is bad. Right. I don't know. It, I, I would have more sympathy or like more empathy towards Jason if like he did something to save the camp, but he didn't. He did nothing. He like just shows up and we're supposed to love him. Like, no, no, no. Like prove your worth to me. Percy just reaffirmed why we love him. Yeah. I don't know. Like if, if there had been anything exciting or dangerous to happen, Camp Half-Blood <laughs> and Jason like summoned a giant bolt of lightning to protect them, yeah. but he doesn't. I do like the one like doesn't do jack shit (laughs) yeah the forge and the dove break the cage it's not even Jason that like does Mm -hmm. that it's just I just think that like this book the point of this book is to piss off the readers and I think (laughs) that like the entire thing is like oh I know something that you don't know and when am I gonna tell you exactly I guess you'll have to I guess you'll have to support capitalism and buy my next book it's such a drastic misunderstanding of what dramatic irony is that like it like (laughs) It is, like, almost, like, unconscionable how poorly he misses the mark on that and how, like, the result is that everything feels way too slow. The pacing is so wrong in this book because he's always, like, no, I'm withholding this extra piece of information that, like, it is fun that we are all kind of in on but not really. Except he he does it but also, like, severely underestimates the reader and we know the entire time what all the stakes are and, like, what, you know, like, it just, it doesn't work. It does not work, the pacing or the narration your point i agree Uh, do you want to mention this thing about gaia carter because i think that's a worthwhile thing to say yeah yeah so (laughs) gaia is basically introduced to us as a villain in this book but the giants as her underlings i I just feel like not to put too fine a point point on like how much we don't like this book but like this i think among the other things that we've talked about that don't make sense also just doesn't make any sense When, when we have chronos as a villain for like the entire first five like the reason why he is a villain is pretty clear like chronos is supposed to be a stand in for like anarchy broadly right like he is like a counterpoint luke as the developed boots on the ground guy to exactly and we know luke he has a strong personality we know exactly why he's doing everything 
or like when he doesn't, it's complicated in a way that is interesting and fits with our past character. In this book series, we have Gaia as the villain. Gaia is not given like a real motive. Gaia is not given like a political perspective, like even an interesting interpretation about like how this should like color what we've been talking about with environmentalism for kind of the first five books. All of that is just dropped. And it's just like, well, she would kill everyone. So obviously that's bad. How is that a compelling villain? That makes no, like, <laughs> we're not given anything to think about with her. And then the giants, her foot soldiers are also like similarly, some of them have gimmicks, but none of them have personalities. No one at any point thinks seriously, like maybe this person is making some points. No one ever thinks this giant is kind of cool. I would like to read a follow-up story about like a prequel on this giant. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> none of them have anything. They're such uncompelling villains. I just, yeah. it's, it's difficult. Yeah, I completely agree. And we'll continue to track like the development of Gaia um, and the yes. villain underlings throughout the books. And I will end with a quote from the best part of this book, which is the end, the very last page. <laughs> um, and it is this. This is when we're talking about finding out everything. Jason's memories are back. We're having a meeting at Camp Half-Blood. An exchange goes two ways, Jason said. When I got here, my memory was wiped. I didn't know who I was or where I belonged. Fortunately, you guys took me in and I found a new home. I know you're not my enemy. The Roman camp, they're not so friendly. You prove your worth quickly or you don't survive. They may not be so nice to him. And if they learn where he comes from, he's going to be in serious trouble. Him, Leo said. Who are you talking about? My boyfriend, Annabeth said grimly. He disappeared around the same time Jason appeared. If Jason came to Camp Half-Blood... Exactly, Jason agreed. Percy Jackson is at the other camp and he probably doesn't even remember who he is. Bum, bum. Ah, nice. All right, Let's end back. of book. <laughs> Let's get back like into said, it. This, this whole book is Percy based. <laughs> it literally <laughs> is. That's 100% what it is. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Ola and Jackson, for being with us through this rough ride. I wouldn't have wanted to do it with anyone else. You made talking about this book actually enjoyable. So thank you guys for being here. I'm sure we'll see you back at some point. Next week, we're going to come out with a special episode interlude, which is going to be a very chaotic fan cast episode. So stay tuned for that. And I'll see you guys later. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. <laughs>